Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable, and that's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. You better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back, and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of China, where we are possibly standing on the precipice of a very challenging time. Uh, the State Council of the People's Republic of China has just released a, uh, released a draft of new, a new set of regu- religious restrictions scheduled to be officially enacted early next month in October. These restrictions or laws, um, are, they're just a proposal at the moment, but basically they're set to be approved. Um, the restrictions are aimed to suppress and persecute the underground house church. Let me give you a little bit of background information. We've already written about this a little bit on our website, uh, but I want to share it together with you. If we rewind the clock and go back a little bit more than a year ago, um, the Chinese President Xi, as well as some high-ranking government officials in Beijing, invited a collection of the largest underground house church bodies inside of China, invited their leaders to come and attend a meeting, a secret meeting together uh, with them, where they wanted to hear from them what are their biggest challenges, uh, what are some of their needs, and how can the government and the underground house church cooperate together and work together so that the underground house church can be legal. Uh, we believe that this is a part of these new laws, um, what I'm about to share. Because at that time, it seemed like that the, the Chinese government had basically started to become a little bit more favorable towards the underground house church. And it also uh, seemed that the underground house church leaders were becoming more favorable towards the government officials. This came around the same time as we did the book release for uh, the well-known underground house church pastor, one of the the most well-known underground house church pastors in all of China. His name is Zhang Rongliang. Uh, He runs a group inside of China known as Feng Chang. And that group has, I mean, there's numbers all over the places. The numbers really don't matter so much. But just to give you an idea of the kind of people that uh, most claim that he has in his church, uh, I I wrote his biography together with him, and he refused to give out any numbers because he got caught in that game years ago with Westerners and didn't want to play it anymore. And I completely understand and agree. But – some people estimate that his church could be uh, as about 10 million people. Actually, if you look him up on Wikipedia today, that's the number that you'll see, about 10 million people. And so this is a very influential pastor. He was attending the meetings together with the, the uh, other leaders inside of China, two of the main underground house church leaders out of Anhui and some, uh, some of the major underground house church leaders out of Hunan province. They all attended this meeting. 
And it was a cordial meeting, took place over a period of about three days. Uh, I don't know of anyone else that reported about it while they were going through the meeting except for us at Back to Jerusalem. We shared it with our uh, supporters and followers mainly because one of the leaders who attended the meeting told me uh, privately that he wished for us to pray for them to be led. So I, I shared about that and was criticized for sharing about that. There were several people who wrote me personal messages and said, please take that down. There are they, the, the pastors that are at that meeting, they do not want this meeting to be known about. And I said, I'm sorry, I cannot take it down. I mean, they were Westerners and the people that told me to put it up were foreigners or were, were Chinese. Um, the people that wanted it to be taken down were foreigners and those that wanted to be, to be shared with others so they could pray about it were Chinese. Those that were at the meeting at, were asking me to have others pray for them. Those were not at, that were not at the meeting were telling me that it should remain secret. So that was just a very interesting situation. But we left it up on the website anyway. And what happened was we ended up having a leaders meeting. It was kind of our 20-year reunion. So we had all the uh, top leaders from every underground house church network, all the main ones, especially those that represent the Senum Fellowship, they were all there. We had a um, 20-year reunion uh, took place over a period of about three days in Hainan, on Hainan Island. And uh, we all came together, and during that time, we had several of our overseas partners that also joined together with us over a period of a couple of days. We had several hundred people attend the meetings. We're so excited that we were able to be together with our foreign friends, uh, representatives from different organizations from around the world that have been our long-term partners over the 20 years. Come hell or high water, they have stood beside us and, uh, and been our partners, even though we have not always been very partner-worthy. And our Chinese friends were able to share about what they've uh, been going through, what their experiences are, what their vision is for the future. They were able to – each one of the leaders were able to share. Um, we kind of gave them a platform, and they stood in front of uh, an audience of mainly foreign supporters and then shared about uh, what their future vision is. And in one group of, of – underground house church leaders, there was a common theme, and we reported about it then. It was an exclusive report that we walked away from that meeting with. It blew my mind that this was, that this was being said, but basically uh, many of the top leaders said that they felt it was the time to register with the government. And that was breaking news. That was a big deal for us. We began to report it. We shared it with our, our friends and supporters, and we, we asked for them to pray for our friends as they were going through this time and where they were making the decision to uh, register. And if they would have registered, you're talking about uh, in the neighborhood of about 50, 60 million believers that could have been registered in a moment. If all of them that were there, all of the, the leaders, if everybody that they represented would have regist been registered, um, as many of them were talking about, they, they, you would have seen that many people actually come into the registration process. At least that number of people, 50, 60 million believers. So that would have been a huge victory for um, the Chinese government. And depending on how that would have played out, it could have been a huge victory for the underground house church as well because things are changing inside of China. There's no doubt about that. However, 
things began to unfold a lot differently than what many of the Chinese leaders thought they would. I, um, I am right now together. I'm writing an autobiography um, with one of the uh, top pastors of um, one of the underground house church networks inside of China, due to be out in March of next year. Um, this one's going to be a little bit different than the I Stand with Christ, the auto, the, not the autobiography, but the biography of Zhang Rongliang that I wrote together with him. Now I'm doing a new biography uh, with a, a well-known pastor. I will share more information about that as we get closer to the publication date. Uh, we've just spent uh, several days, three days, in fact, together with him holed up in one hotel room. And three days we sat from morning until night, only breaking for lunch and dinner, um, going over the history of his life and writing everything. He had already written so much and given that to me before so that I could prepare myself. But I, been, I spent three days with him. Now, I've spent many days with him in the past going over projects and, 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 and goals and things that we've been, we've been working together for many years. But this was the first time that I actually sat with him and asked him details, intimate details about his past. He was one of the leaders who was saying, uh, signaling that he was ready to register. However, now the situation has changed, greatly changed, because now um, when I spent time with him uh, for three days this month, which is September of 2016, just a little bit more than one year after he had signaled that he was ready to register, he said no. There's no registration in our future at the moment. Just it's not possible. It's not possible. The government's not making it possible. Because see, shortly after that meeting, when many of the Chinese were really focusing on taking the next step and becoming a legal entity inside of China and, and, and legally recognized, China became, began an all-out uh, persecution against the church throughout the eastern seaboard of China, where we saw many churches destroyed, places like Wenzhou. We saw crosses ripped off of, of uh, churches like those in Shanghai, and we saw several Christians uh, around China within those networks that were arrested and persecuted. So it seemed that something happened a little bit prematurely. I guess maybe the Chinese did the, the underground house church leaders did not move possibly. Now here I am, um, uh, you know, using my this, these are my thoughts. This is not necessarily what happened. There's so much information that I am missing, but basically I believe what could possibly be a, a reason is that they felt that the Chinese were the Chinese underground house church members were not moving fast enough, and so they began. Uh, with their their own program of persecuting and trying to um, get rid of those underground house church activities which were not legally um, sanctioned. Now, of course, you do have to recognize that a lot of these activities that do take place inside of China that involve persecution uh, involve members that are on the lower level. They work a little bit autonomous from the Beijing government um, and are more of an authority in their province. And so persecution does change from county to county, city to city, province to province. Um, in China, uh, the, the structure is a little bit different than it would take place, for instance, in America. You don't have cities within a county. You have counties within a city. 
Uh, oftentimes that's how it happens, especially with more rural areas where the persecution has taken place. So it's, um, it's primarily been dependent on who's in charge at the local level. And that usually determines the temperature gauge on persecution. Not always. Uh, we do have several examples throughout the, the last year where um, there have been orders that have been given from Beijing. Now, now we are arriving at a new situation that in mid-September, we started to get information um, that there was a law coming out or laws, a, a group of laws that are coming out. These laws that are coming out uh, are a part of a 10-year cycle where about every 10 years they revise the religious laws inside of China. Now, I've heard people say uh, China has freedom of religion. That's right. They do. By the book, they have freedom of religion. That is a very typical communist uh, language. They also have democracy. Um, uh, very clearly, they don't have democracy in China, but if you talk to the Chinese leadership, they say that they do have democracy. And what the way that they explain it is that the democracy in America does not look like the democracy in Europe, and the democracy in Europe will not look like the democracy in China. It's a new kind of democracy. So basically what it is is it's a, it's a play on words um, that is able to hide – the real intentions and the, the, the real operations of the law. What it allows China to do is to operate openly with laws that are generally accepted by a, 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 an international body. And then they can claim to be in the ranks of many of the other nations that also have freedom when in fact the freedom is not like that at all. They learned very well from Russia. To give you an example of this kind of wordplay, this kind of um, semantics that, that takes place, it's a game of semantics. We saw it with President Kennedy. So when Kennedy saw that there were missiles being placed in Cuba by Russia um, – uh, President Kennedy used the same sort of uh, semantic um, uh, gymnastics that the Russians were using. So if he would have placed an embargo or a military embargo on the Russians, that would have been an act of war to keep them out of Cuba. So instead, what President Kennedy said was, we are going to create a quarantine. A quarantine insinuates more that we're trying to keep contained within. So we're creating a quarantine around Cuba instead of a, a, a military embargo against the Russians. It is a quarantine around Cuba, the Cubans. And that is how there, he was able to avoid, or a lot of people credit that to be the reason why there was war avoided. Well, the Chinese have learned this kind of tap dance. And so they offer legislation that says very clearly that they have freedom of religion. But freedom of religion, in their view, is not the same as freedom of religion maybe in the real world view. It's some sort of twisted view. Because what they are proposing now, this has just come out. Um, I've had uh, several sources that have shared with me from Shanghai to the northeast of China to the southwest of China of uh, individuals that are reporting about these new laws that are coming down. And these new laws basically are revised draft of regulations. And the regulations are provided by the Religious Affairs uh, Bureau. 
and the um, the uh, Sarah is often what they call them. Um, the, the, this is the state organized body of religious affairs, and what they have done is p- posted on social media the several different regulations uh, pertaining to religious activities inside of China. Uh, they put in several of the proposed articles that are included in the proposal uh, in this draft. Right now, they're calling it a, a draft, and then they will they they are taking accept uh, suggestions on what they have written. Now, what they have written, what some of the suggestions or what some of the, the, the new regulations will be is that if you are a homeowner and you are having meetings inside of your home, you can be fined with pretty exorbitant fees, like pretty large fees. We're talking anywhere from 30,000 to, uh, 30, to 300,000 RMB. The, that is the, the, the fine that they are proposing to impose. Um, now, the, the fines are not being reported uh, in the sections that have been set out by the, the Chinese uh, Religious Affairs Bureau, but um, they are being fed to me by close partners of mine. We cannot confirm them. We cannot confirm the amounts right now because the amounts haven't actually been set. However, this is the information that we are getting from our partners and not just one, but several partners in different parts of China. And they have talked with individuals who have information and that information is it's uh, possible that people can be fined between uh, 30,000 to 300,000. And um, one of the things that one of the things that people should know is that if uh, an individual is just having a simple underground house church meeting in their home, and it doesn't even have to be organized, like not organized with the underground house church leaders that I'm talking about from Hunan province or Anhui province. This could be a college student who attended university in Oxford in the UK and then uh, became a Christian. They came back to Shanghai and they have a few friends. Maybe they are now a professor at a university. They have a few friends within their community and they want to come together and read a Bible. They can now be subjected to these fines um, if they're caught having these kind of meetings inside of their home and these are regular meetings that are not uh, authorized by the government so the next question would be why not just authorize why not if 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 they have if they are allowed to have um uh, religious freedom, then why not just register? Well, see, that's the catch 22. You can't have a meeting unless you register. And if you try to register, you're not approved. Um, that's what we're seeing with the Shouwang church in Beijing. You have this group of believers that are being arrested almost every single week, trying to come together in Beijing and they can't be approved for their church meetings. So they are being arrested because they have not registered their church, but when they register their church, they are denied. So they come together anyway. So you see, it's this cycle. The other thing is, is that um, even if the landowner is not at the meeting, but you are renting the place, both the renter and the landowner can both be fined. And then it goes another step further that if you are bringing in foreigners and the foreigners speak at these house meetings, you can be fined. And then it goes one step further that if you travel 
uh, to a religious meeting abroad, let's say to Hong Kong or to Israel, and that hasn't been authorized. Now, how that's going to be regulated hasn't really been spelled out. Those things are not important when it comes to Chinese law because a lot of these Chinese law are very vague anyway. Most of the people that we have worked with – now, we have, we've had several pastors that have been on death row. We're going to be executed. Um, I can remember back in 2002 when I was able to get a letter to President uh, George Bush when he arrived at the embassy in Beijing – and we were able to get a letter to him about um, several underground house church pastors who had been arrested. They were going to be executed in an expedited manner. And um, uh, right away, uh, Colin Powell, according to reports that we later got, was able to um, connect with Jiang Zemin. And, uh, uh, and those individuals uh, were never executed. They did serve time in prison. Uh, some of them were just recently re- released uh, only a few years ago. But still, all of the laws that they were being charged with were so vague and the interpretation was loose and had nothing to do with the actual crime for what they were being arrested for or punished for. They were just kind of like off the wall to see what would stick and uh, just anti-government activities. It was just – you got this concoction, this smorgasbord of charges that just kind of get pulled out of thin air. And and it's a regular practice inside of China. You're very rarely – uh, charged with the actual written law or can defend yourself with the written law. Um, there is this this culture of understanding what is practiced and what is practiced, and it doesn't necessarily need to be in black and white. So that is the latest update. I will be sharing more about that during our Back to Jerusalem tour, which will take place at the beginning of October of 2016. So if you are in the western part of Canada or the northwestern part of the United States, I invite you to go to our website, check on events, and find out where we will be, and I will be sharing about that. I want to thank you so much for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from some Somewhere within the borders of China. God bless you. Hello, I'm Eugene Bach, and I'm coming to you with a little bit of a back to Jerusalem emergency. We need your help. For those of you that are able to help, if you are retired or you are a student or you are finding yourself right now with a vision to serve in missions, we need you. Today, Back to Jerusalem missionaries in China are training people that are going to the field between China and Jerusalem in the 1040 window. Many of those students are learning English as their second language, and if you speak English, we need your help. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably speak English. For those that are willing to make a six-month commitment or a one-semester commitment, we will provide housing and air tickets once you pass a very simple background check and sign a confidentiality agreement. The schools are underground house church schools, and they desperately need your partnership today. This is a offer that we are giving out, sending out for the very first time because we are in an emergency situation where we have missionaries that are ready to go. They just need help. 
We can arrange all of the logistics to get your visa, housing, and transportation if you send me an email at sinobach at gmail.com. S-I-N-O-B-A-C-H at gmail.com. Again, you can send me a message to my email at S-I-N-O-B-A-C-H at gmail.com. Thank you for praying about this, and thank you for partnering together with Back to Jerusalem. God bless.